I'll call you back. I have to help these guys. Where in Rima, 7 till 9, News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Eight minutes after eight on News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. It's Where in Rima. Trey's off this week. He'll be back on Tuesday. I'm Sean. Phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. Sorry, I, I just swallowed a little bit of barf in my mouth. I know some of you, some of you are eating breakfast, but I just had a nauseated reaction to uh, i saw mayorkas's alejandro mayorkas your secretary of homeland security with uh that other very unimpressive human being anthony blinken your secretary of state in mexico and uh mayorkas offered up uh are we calling them x's now instead of tweets i don't even know uh he posted that they had a very productive meeting with uh, with the Mexican president. Quote, the regional challenge of migration requires regional solutions. And we appreciate Mexico's commitment to continue its efforts alongside us and with others. Talk about illegal immigration. Everybody's saying the talks went well. Uh, okay, let me, let me get this straight okay, once again. Okay, first off, is it a regional issue? I guess... Do, do we does does the United States of America need a regional solution? No, our solution should be to shut the border. <laughs> However, we need to do that should be our only solution. Close the freaking border. You, you're telling me it was a we got millions of people in this country. We got tens of thousands of people flowing over the border every single day, breaking records. As I've been saying all morning, breaking records. For illegal immigration on a daily basis. Obviously, they've turned up the spigot, if you will, uh, with the election looming in just uh, you know eleven months, ten months. Again, we're breaking records every day with the amount of people coming into this country. The cartels are just occupying places, apparently, and we need a regional solution. And here's the regional solution that the Mexican government has offered us, offered our Secretary of State and our Secretary of Homeland Security. We need more money, and we need you guys to open up some of these closed crossings. That's what Mayorkas and Blinken consider to be a, quote, very productive meeting. (laughs) These poor, crappy countries need more American money. I said this last hour, if they just pump some money into these economies, life will be so great in these freaking countries, these asshole countries, they won't want to come to America. Not, hey, what are you guys on the Mexico side going to do to start closing up this border? What are you guys on the Mexican side going to do to start rooting out corruption in your own government that's working in collusion with the cartels to bring people over the border? What are you guys in Mexico going to do about the flow of fentanyl from China? What are you guys going to no, what, what they're going to do is ask us for more money and ask us that if we could just send some more money to Mexico, life will be great in Mexico. People won't want to come here. So send us more money and open up the crossings you've temporarily closed. That's the very productive meeting that our government just had with the Mexican government. Does that sound very productive to you? Do you think that's going to work? Probably not. 
So what was the point of Anthony Blinken, Alejandro Mayorkas, and Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall? What was the point of them going there? But see, this is all part of this global ethic, you know, that, well, America's got to come down off its high horse. And I know it's at the American border, and America is the one country that's being affected by the illegal immigration more than anybody else. I mean, it's, it's a freaking humanitarian disaster. I don't know how you characterize it as something other than that. Right? But, you know, hey, we got to think globally. It's a region. We need regional solutions. Your illegal immigration czar, <laughs> would it be czar or czarina uh, Kamala Harris, who is a moron, by the way, in case you didn't know. Science has proven that she is actually a moron. Uh, that was her whole trip. Well, I need to take a trip down to South America and eat some really good food, listen to some really great music, and hang out with some of these people and find out what the root causes are. The root cause of our illegal immigration problem right now is our own stinking government, which is saying to people, including the cartels, including bad actors from around the world, hey, you need to get here now while Joe Biden is president. And if you get here now, we'll give you a bunch of free money, free health care, free education. That would be the root cause. Oh, and we won't deport you. We'll give you a court date to hear uh, your refugee about your refugee arguments. The court date may not come up for a full freaking decade, but we'll offer you a court date and give you a bunch of free crap. I suspect that's the root cause of illegal immigration right now. Which is it? Is it Ecuador or Venezuela? Venezuela, I guess, had opened up its prisons and released their worst criminals telling them, go to America. I think that might be a root cause. I'm not really sure how these countries not having enough of our money is the root cause for why this is going on. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I, I hope beyond all, <laughs> I hope beyond all hope, if you will, that Donald Trump does become the next president because I know what Donald Trump will do when he gets in office. I know what he will do because he's already done it when he was in office the last time. Uh, and that's to shore up that border. Do, do I think he can undo this problem? No. When you got millions of people who are here illegally, and to a, you know, for a certain segment of that total population, uh, the idea has got to be there to set up some criminal activity here on this side of the border. We've got fentanyl still flowing across the border. People dying every day from fentanyl, uh, from getting fentanyl. Uh, however they got it, whether they're little kids just crawling across a floor, or there's somebody uh, down in San Francisco snorting the stuff or smoking it or whatever. Uh, cartel activity, again, uh, they're just taking over places, uh, apparently, on this side of the border. In Texas and Arizona. Uh, when you release violent criminals uh, into your population and tell them to get to America, they're going to come to America and do what? More violent stuff. I feel stupid having to even put out the disclaimer there because they're still yelling and screaming about Donald Trump saying, well, they're just murderers and rapists coming over. Well, you know, some of them are. 
Here's my official stupid disclaimer. Not every person coming across the border wants to commit additional crimes or do violence or rape people. But some of them do. And uh, we're, we're losing the country. Trump was right. When you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And right now, we don't have a country. And the biggest root cause, frankly, is our own stinking government. But we not have to have the, we have to have this nice little show. We got an election to cheat here. We need to have this nice little show of Blinken and Mayorkas down there hobnobbing with uh, uh, President Obrador about you know lifting up the uh, <laughs> lifting up uh, Latin America and oh we got to do something in about this e- economic depression that they have. People are so miserable because they're broke. If only we would just infuse more money into Latin America. Well, if infusing more money into Latin America will stem the tide of illegal immigration, why does Mexico also want us to open up closed crossings? Why would we need those additional crossings? Once we start pumping money into Latin America, illegal immigration is going to stop, right? Right. What a crap show, man. 210-599-5555. We'll take a break. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. And we're back. News Talk 550, KTSA, FM 1071. It's wearing Rima. Uh, Trey's off this week. I'm Sean. Hi. And talking about legal immigration and our, our Secretary of State and our Secretary of Homeland Security just met with the Mexican president. And uh, it was very productive, their words. Because we need regional solutions to this stuff. Well, the regional solution the Mexican government offered up is we need to give them more money. In fact, we need to give all these nations of, of Latin America more money. Because if only they had better economies, people wouldn't want to leave and come live here. And we need to open up some of these closed crossings, border crossings, that we've temporarily closed. So we have the personnel to handle the massive flow of illegal immigrants at various other sections sections of the border. And uh, we're yelling and screaming about that. Here's Debbie. Debbie, how are you? Hi. Um so if we start dumping money down there, I just don't see it going to the people that need it because there's been no accountability for all the money that we've sent over to Ukraine. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably going to go to pay off the cartels, and they're not going to stop doing what they're doing because they're making so much money on illegal, you know, smuggling human beings across the border. If, right, if Mexico was so displeased with illegal immigration, they would have done something already. So obviously Mexico is benefiting from this. And I think you're right. I think a lot of this money, you know, the, the, we, I'm sure we send aid. Uh, we send aid to everybody. Whatever money they get from us uh, goes through the government, right, to the cartels. I mean, the, the idea that just by giving them more money, their life, you know, lives are going to be better for people in Mexico and they won't want to come here anymore come here anymore. It's just absurd, man. Right. How did all come the money on. that went to Ukraine help the Ukrainians? It didn't. Did- it isn't. <laughs> Excellent point. Well I appreciate the call. Well, look, why do these people want what what are the what are, what is the one connecting factor of all these countries where these people want to leave? What is one of the re- oppression, corrupt governments 
So why would any adult, grown-ass adult, with two molecules of brain matter to scratch together think that if we merely hand over large amounts of cash to these very same corrupt governments, it's going to go to make the citizens' lives better, right? Are you that stupid? Here's David. David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Sean. Uh, Okay, so we know that to get asylum in the United States, it cannot be for a job or financial reasons. And yet, we're going to give the money to... (laughs) The leftist country's money, well, even if that they were to apply it to the country and make the country better, these people still aren't supposed to be coming here. Right, that's a good point. They're not here because their country is putting them down or shooting them or whatever. It's because they're looking for a job. Well, yeah, and I think they can, you know, right, right. So it's a fair point. It's 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 a circular argument uh, all the way around. And it, and I appreciate the call. It doesn't make any logical sense. Okay, the, the only way, and again, I go back to this idea of a regional solution. Regional solution, my ass. We're a sovereign nation that's being invaded. <laughs> we, we, we need to shore up our border. We need to tighten our border. We need to stop the flow of illegal immigra- immigrants into this country. The policies and economies of the countries of the people who are coming here is irrelevant, in my opinion. How is it, what other nation on earth can you list has the inherent, at least as described by globalists and leftists and people of that nature, what what other nation on earth carries with it an inherent responsibility to prop up the economies of other countries? Just to do it. <laughs> just, you know, just to do it. None that I could think of. Not, yeah, are there NATO agreements? Are there UN agreements? Sure. But what other nation on the planet it has that responsibility just sort of naturally attached to it because of who they are? It is your responsibility not only to defend other countries from a military standpoint, Apparently, it is our responsibility to prop up crap countries with crap economies and crap governments. Uh, Given the fact that the crappiness isn't going to go away, but there is this idea that if you just get more American money, the life will be better there, which is an absurd idea, again. But America is very peculiar in the sense that People argue against our own ability to maintain our borders. We America should not maintain its borders. That's xenophobic and racist, right? And when other countries fail economically because their, cover, their governments are crap or corrupt, we have the inherent responsibility of what? Just giving them money. And somehow that'll make their li- people in those countries, it'll make their lives better. These are grown-ass adults talking like this. It's, you know, it, it, it ain't nothing going to happen with the border unless Donald Trump gets back in. Ain't nothing serious going to happen with the just unimaginable flow of illegal immigrants into this country. Ain't nothing going to happen because our own government wants this to happen. And for all I know, our own government wants to give vast amounts of money to other countries in Latin America for whatever reasons. So, yeah, a pretty pretty important election, uh, which, uh, again, more than likely is going to be hijacked one way or the other. 
But, man, you look at the video coming out of Eagle Pass, you look at the numbers that we're hearing of merely the people we've encountered. And holy crap. And you know they want to give amnesty before the election. 210-599-5555. We'll take a break. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. In for Trey this week. I'll be in for myself at 9. James just said something funny to me in my ear. He said he saw a news report where somebody in Denver, is, or they're claiming in Denver that they're suffering the brunt of illegal immigration. Isn't that what they said, Don, that they were the uh, ground zero for all these problems, or did I mishear that in the, the report? No, that's their claim. That's their claim. That's what I thought. They're, they're, they're ground zero for illegal immigration in America. You're hearing that out of New York and some of the other major cities. They're full of crap in Denver. <laughs> Hold my margarita and watch this. Yeah, you come to South Texas, buddy. I know I've lived in both places, man. The only thing Denver is ground zero for is uh, legal weed. That's about it. Their governor is a gay marshmallow named Jared Polis, who, uh, when I knew Jared, he was interviewing him a lot. He was a city councilman in Boulder. Which is kind of like being a drug addict in San Francisco, okay? Everybody in Boulder has been a city councilman at some point, if they're a liberal idiot. I, and I said this the other day, and I, I'm, I'm being purely observational. This is from the evidence of my own life, okay? Because before I moved to Texas, I lived in Colorado for nine years. And I've told you how I, I watched Car- Colorado get flipped from being a fairly independent conservative state to being full-blown liberal weird you know with a again the aforementioned gay marshmallow as their governor i got nothing against marshmallows i got nothing against gay people but jared polis is like the guy who's out there every day reinforcing negative stereotypes about gay people you know not to mention his really pathetic rendition of felice navidad the other day and i'm still trying to work that one out was he dropping acid was he peeking when he did that video? I, I've said this before, and it's a true damn thing. That when I was in Colorado, and I lived, I lived in the Springs, and I lived around, I lived outside of Denver, worked in Denver for six years, seven years. I, and I can honestly say this: I heard more anti-Mexican, anti-Hispanic, racist stuff in Colorado than I have anywhere else in my life that I've lived. On the East Coast, where I'm from, uh, where I grew up, uh, you know, they, they barely know what Hispanic people are. They just don't know, don't even know. It's <laughs> they're learning now, I guess. Apparently, but you know, it's you, 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 the the community of Hispanics in in the part of the world that I grew up in was so low that you know, there's a lot of race stuff between whites and blacks you had to deal with. But in Colorado, man, you heard a lot. I heard a lot of anti-Mexican stuff, and I think back on my life in Colorado. And I didn't interact with a lot of Hispanics in Colorado. The, the, I didn't interact with a lot of Hispanics. I'm not saying there aren't a lot there. There are, but Colorado is also, I'm sorry, Honkyville, man. I mean, <laughs> you want to get, you want to hang out with some serious Caucasians, you know, wearing, uh, uh, you know, like all the chicks in Colorado wear those knee high boots, you know, with the big flowing uh, knit sweaters and stuff. 
so you know they're outdoorsy and crap, you know? The only Mexicans I... Dude, you'll find this funny. The only Mexicans I interacted with in Colorado during the nine years I lived there are when I went to work for Pizza Hut for three years. And the staff. But in Colorado, at least where I lived... You know, it's 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 like the East Coast in this sense, in that you have the black neighborhood, you have the white neighborhood. Everything's very segmented. Hispanics in like Castle Rock, Colorado, where I lived, had their own little part of the neighborhood where they all lived in like four houses. Nobody interacted with anybody else. I'm, I'm being totally serious. All the white people are like cracking on Mexicans constantly. They, well, that's how it was. Well, though, that was kind of funny that you just said all the Mexicans lived in four houses because we typically put a lot of people in our houses. Well, it, it, but <laughs> in that part of the world, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. You know, because they have to, because nobody likes them. <laughs> they want them in the kitchen. They want them out in the yard. You know, they want them showing up once a day uh, when they're staying in a nice hotel. But there's no interaction. I'm just being honest. And you're diminishing the ground zero-ness that... Uh, oh, the, you know, ground zero, my ass. Oh, come on, man. When I heard that, I said, I can't believe I just heard him say that. Give me a break. That's Colorado liberal bullcrap is what that is. For them being the epicenter of illegal immigration in America, you know... Is uh, you know uh, one one guy named Lopez moved into Monument. You know <laughs> we have you know what I mean. Like we suddenly we noticed that we've got some uh, Hispanicy people living up here in the Front Range. And they're looking for jobs, you know. But you don't, you know, you, they don't. They, it's not like here where everybody is into. I come, I move here, and obviously. You know, things are much more diverse and much more, uh, how do I put this, uh, uh, especially a town like San Antonio, majority Hispanic. But all these cultures, whether you're talking about Hispanics, blacks, Arabs, Muslims, Germans, people of German descent, all, it, it, the cultures are all completely interwoven. San Antonio especially. It's not true of Austin. Austin is Honkyville, too. I live there as well. <laughs> Bebopping down Congress Ave with my wife. I could just hear people hitting the security alarms, you know. Cock, you know, Austin is honkyville, man. It just it is. But you get to San Antonio and this town was born in a sense with multiple cultures interweaving or interwoven with each other. It really is the most diverse place I've ever lived in my life. Which is why it's so odd when you hear our own city council and our mayor just screaming and yelling about how we have to fight systemic racism in San Antonio. Do you know who I hear the most from as far as complaints about illegal immigration? Hispanics. Latinos. That I, people who are here illegally or whose grandparents came here illegally or first or second generation. And they went through the process... Uh, they are not fans of illegal immigration in any way, shape, or form, man. All four of my grandparents, their pictures on their graves are of their green card and visas. Right. To them, it was a huge thing. It was a very serious thing. They became citizens. They served in the military. They fought in our wars. My uh, my wife tells the story of her dad, who was a Vietnam vet. 
And, uh, you know, he was, uh, and, and she's kind of the same way, you know, like, are you Mexican? What part of Mexico are you from? Or, you know, I'm an American. I was born here. I'm born American. I'm an American. And I, I guess what I'm trying to put out there is that you, you see since, whether it's Greg Abbott sending the odd bus to New York or Philly or whatever, or it's Joe Biden sending buses to these places 24-7, a lot of these cities now are suddenly realizing that they do have a... Whether they're a sanctuary city or not, suddenly it's like, oh, wow, we got a lot of people on the streets. We have to acknowledge there's a problem here. And now what they're trying to do, and Eric Adams has been doing this for months, is they try to act like their city's problem is the worst. Like they're suffering. The, we need more federal dollars to combat... This illegal immigration, this you know, undocumented problem we have, and Greg Abbott is a soulless person. He's a real meanie head because he keeps sending them here, and we're all oh, we're just New York's going to collapse, right? Now it must be Denver. Oh, Denver is just man, we're ground zero for this illegal immigration thing, you know. And they got a handful of people compared to any given town along the border in Texas, hell, San Antonio. But that's what they, they want more money. So now they got They think they can get more money by screaming and yelling about their horrible illegal, illegal immigration problem. And so, yeah, now Denver. <laughs> Denver is now like the epicenter of illegal immigration. Oh, please. Please, man. 2105. Hit the dispo and shut up. 210-599-5555. We'll take a break. It's Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. Oh, oh, oh. KTSA salutes the troops. My name is Sara First Class Mario Rodriguez from San Antonio, Texas. I'm assigned to 210th Field Artillery Brigade. And I want to wish my family back in San Antonio a Merry Christmas and Feliz Año Nuevo. Brought to you by the Institute for Functional Health and Laurel Ridge. Yeah, and we're back. Newstalk 550 KTSA FM 1071 talking about illegal immigration again. Denver is claiming they're suffering the brunt of illegal immigration. Or what What was the word? They're at the... Ground zero. They're ground zero for illegal immigration. My ass. What do you think about that? Here's uh, Trucker Mike. Mike, how you doing, man? Yeah, how you doing, Sean? Yeah, listen, man. I'm, yeah, I'm rolling down the interstate. I'm over here in Alabama, headed back to Texas. Hey, hey I want to say this. Uh, you are uh, you doing a hell of a job this morning on the immigration, man. And you and um that uh guy Chris Croc, he was on the afternoon show. Oh yeah, he's good. I like him. I listened. I listened. Yeah, I listened to him last night when I was driving. But uh, like I said, you guys, uh, you you definitely up on up to date on what's happening. But you know something, you know something, man. Um, when when I left when I left San Antonio yesterday, um. Uh, my man, uh, you know, you know, you know, you saying that you're seeing these immigrants. I pulled into a Walmart store in, uh, on 410 over uh, 410, close to the um, close to the uh, downtown area. As soon as I pulled my truck into the parking lot, guess who showed up to my truck? It was an immigrant. He looked like he was from uh, Haiti, and he didn't speak no English whatsoever. And he was uh, begging for money. I didn't even get a chance to uh, park my truck in the Walmart before wow. this guy came begging. And that's the first time I've seen an immigrant in this, uh, where this, this Walmart that I was right. at uh, yesterday. So they're, they're definitely in town and they're showing up and they're begging for money. So, you know, I'm just telling people, you know, to be aware 
that these people are here. But listen, listen, Sean, here's what I heard. Here's what I think needs to be done. And I've heard other people say about this immigration situation. It seemed to slow down the process a couple of months ago. They need to uh, start uh, any individual that crosses into the United States illegally. They should be placed on a list. And they and they will not be uh, sent back to the country that they come from, and they will be denied access to America for a five-year period. Uh, and you see how fast people stop coming when they find out they got to wait five years before they can even consider coming back into the United States of America. That's what needs to be done to stop the flow of this. And like and like and like, um, uh, let me say this one last thing. And just for anybody that's listening this morning, that's a Democrat out there who thinks that Joe Biden is concerned about the border. Guess where Joe Biden is? He's on vacation right now. So it doesn't seem that Joe Biden cares about what what goes on the U- U.S. border, just in case some of these knuckleheads didn't realize that. But it's, it's just really sad. And, and like you said, Sean, giving money to Mexico is not going to stop stop the problem. It'll be just like it, it'll be just another Ukraine. It would just be handing out another hundred billion dollars to Mexico for absolutely nothing. That's the only thing that's going to happen if the United States gives Mexico money. And I thank you for taking my call this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Man, it's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for the call. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Well, yeah. Look, Mike. It's it's uh, it's all across the city. I drive 410 every day of my work and life, and I've, I'm, and I've been here, I've, I've been at this gig for 12 years. I've never seen what I've been seeing just being on 410. You see little tent villages, I guess you've got little tent, you know, tent, uh, a bunch of tents set up. People are living, uh, you know, like uh, not just under the overpasses at this point. You're driving down 410. You may see a couple of tents right on the other side of the of the wall there uh, along the highway. You know, I mean, in my neighbor, I'm on the northwest side. You know, and it's a fairly, it's a far off, you know, far off on the edge of the city there, and it's pretty residential. That's why we moved there. You know, we wanted someplace quiet, no crime. You know, very low crime in my in, on the northwest side where I am. And just within the past couple of years, especially in the past few months, we're seeing a lot more people who are out of doors, strolling through the neighborhood, hanging out outside the convenience stores and the HEB, the Walmart. Uh, you're seeing garbage everywhere. You never saw it before. You can't tell me crime isn't uh, a little worse right now than it has been in previous years. Uh, and it's bad. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really affecting the city. And, uh, you know, again, if it weren't for Greg Abbott and doing whatever he's trying to do, I know he's, I think he's got some guardsmen down there now who are just arresting people. Let's go to, thank God somebody's doing something. Here's Tom. Tom, how are you? Good morning. I really appreciate what you do, Sean, and Trey does on a daily basis. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Uh, I've got a, it's kind of off the wall, but I'm going to say it. I've got an immigration proposal. I say it tongue-in-cheek, but not really, because it makes a statement. Once an illegal is apprehended, find out their country of origin. Then apply their country's immigration laws <laughs> to them. How about That's that? a great idea. You'd have to send them all back. That's exactly Try sneaking right. your ass into Mexico, see what happens to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And this way, they won't be saying we're such a bad country after all. We're just using their laws applying to them, the citizens of the country of origin. Well, that's a great idea. Because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, what I was saying a few minutes ago, 
We are the only country on the face of the earth that is expected to not enforce their own borders. Somehow we are going against our values by enforcing our own borders, something that every other country on the planet does and does in a much more intense way than we do. So it's a brilliant idea, man. I love it. Okay. It'll never happen. (laughs) I wish it would. I I know, but I just think it would be just make a statement. Yeah. And uh, it would take the onus off the back of America being such a bad, uh, everybody calls us so bad and evil, et cetera. No, we're just applying your right. laws. you got a problem. you got a problem with your country. I agree. Country. It's a great idea. Uh, i got to run, man. Yeah, we're such a horrible country that everybody wants to live in. All right, we'll take a break. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. Sean Rima, 9 till 11. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Six minutes after nine on News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. I'm Sean. Hi, this is my dumb little show. Oh, my God, who gives a crap what Nikki Haley thinks about the Civil War? It's got to throw this. All right, I've got, I've got something else I want to talk about. But, my God, the press are just losing their minds over this. She didn't mention slavery enough when, a, when asked why the Civil War started or why it was fought. As far as the person who's going to be the and it, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this big turning point for the me. See, this is why she shouldn't be president. She doesn't think we fought the Civil War over slavery. The very same people who want to erase every physical representation of the Civil War that they could possibly get their hands on. The mayor of Jacksonville tore down the women of, of the Southland statue uh, in the middle of the night last night. But man, you better know why it started. You better be able. You better have your Civil War talking points going if you want to be president of this country, man. The only, the only Civil War I'm concerned with the next president understanding is the one we're about to fight. Okay, that's <laughs> the looming Civil War is the one I'm most concerned with. Um. All right. Let me let me talk about what I actually had planned to talk about. Um, I, you know, young people, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get so old farty on you right now. Oh my God. Am I going to be old farty sounding right now? But these young people today, I don't know what's at play with the work ethic of young people, but we have a new employment trend I'm reading about right now. As far as young people in their relationship with their own, with their bosses and their employers. And before I get there, let me just throw a couple of things out here that maybe you've noticed. If you're, you know, more around my age. Um, young people, and I mean, by that I mean Gen Z. I'm not even talking about millennials now. I mean, predominantly Gen Z. The people who have only been in the workforce for a handful of years. I've talked, uh, I think it was last week. They're very money conscious people. They want to live their lives. YOLO. And uh, and what a lot of young people are suddenly realizing is that the economy sucks. And they're not able to live at the standard at which they wish to live. Because one thing I've noticed about young people in the workforce right now is, uh, you hear this a lot, they're more concerned with their quality of life than, you know, having to go work for the man. It's kind of an inversion of the work ethic that you and I grew up with, and I'll explain that in a minute. In that empo- people who want to work for somebody, potential employer employees, go into that relationship of employee-employer, go into that relationship of worker and boss, 
with the idea that you got to do something for me. I want all my time off when I want it. <laughs> I want to make as much money as I think I should make so I can live my life. Uh, they don't like eight-hour days. <laughs> There's a video I saw last, or just within the past few days. One of these TikTok videos of a Gen Zer, you know, complaining that they have to work a full eight hours and they don't have time to live their life. Well, there's there's been some several trends. Like in other words, I don't know if you're if you're a business owner, or you're somebody who hires people these days. Man, your life must be, must be really freaking interesting. My wife's gone on some job interviews and's been doing a lot of stuff of that nature and career stuff over the past few months. As she, uh, well, is looking at getting into a new career. In fact, my, my daughter Alicia has, has been, you know, to certain, you know, some, several job interviews. And it, the way they describe, like, young people walking into a job interview, basically in their jammies, you know, it's amazing. But the new trend, we have, we, we talk about these two. There's quiet quitting, right? That's quiet quitting is. Where you show up and you do a little less than ex- expected of you, kind of hoping to get fired, quiet quitting. You do less and less and less until they let you go, and then you go on unemployment, right? Then you can live your life. <laughs> Bare minimum Mondays. We've talked about that, right? It's Monday. You just got off a two-day weekend. You don't feel like working, so it's Monday. I'm going to do as little as possible. I think it was last week we talked about coffee badging, where you know you have a lot of remote workers now. I mean, the, the workforce and America, America's relationship to working for a living has kind of changed and changed with COVID. A lot of places went empty going into COVID, and they stayed that way, and people just stayed home. And so we have the phenomenon of coffee badging where people go into the office and make a show of themselves, drinking a cup of coffee or interacting with folks, just so they can disappear as soon as they... They can go back home as soon as they think they're able to because people don't know they're gone. Now we have something I'm reading about. Act your wage. Have we? I don't think we've talked about this. Act your wage. Where Gen Zers... They look at how much they're earning, and if they f- they feel that they don't, they're not going to do anything like not one molecule above what they believe they're being paid to do. Act your wage, and in their minds, this should be a signal to their employers that well, you need to pay me more money because I, I'm just I'm I'm only being paid to do this. And what I, you know, what I mean, it's like a, it's an inversion of the work ethic. You know, I, I just look at my own journey in the employment world, which began when I was about 16 or 17, I think. Got my first job. It was a Roy Rogers. I worked at a Roy Rogers for like one night. <laughs> and then I, went, then I went to work for a flower shop. I worked for a flower shop for a while. And then I entered into the wild and wacky world of convenience store operation. Convenience store work. Did that for a lot of years. Um, but when I got into the workforce, and this was a cultural thing, I guess, you went into that with the idea that, well, if I want my life to be better and I want to do well at this job so I can have a happier life, I need to make myself indispensable. I need to do more. 
whatever the boss asks me, I'm going to do. I want to show him I'm a, I'm a good employee. I'm dependable, right? All that happy crap. But you went into, especially if you're getting into something that you actually want to do, like whatever it is you want to do with your life, professionally speaking. You know, maybe if you're in a service job or, you know, for myself, you know, I work in the, in the convenience stores. I actually really enjoyed the work, so I was a pretty good employee. But, yeah, I also worked at a brass shop, a, a place in the Annapolis Mall that sold, like, figurines and nautical crap, you know. And I screwed off left and right in that job because I didn't care about it. But when I got into, you know, radio and what I wanted to do for a living, I did whatever the boss asked me to do. You know, I worked seven days a week for a lot of years. <laughs> Actually, I worked seven days a week until I got to Texas for the most part. And you you went into the workplace wanting to show that you were a worthy employee and you should be promoted or, you know, if you're kind of in a, a, a carny world like me in radio, you know, you were always looking for the next radio station and you wanted to build up that resume so that when you went to another radio station, they'd, you know, want to hire you at more money or whatever. It was a building process, you know. You were always trying to prove your worth to people who are agreeing to pay you money to do something. And I, I kind of get this, uh, not pushback, but you get this idea, you know, of young people I meet now who look at me now and I'm, you know, 56 and I roll into work in my jammies. I'm kind of known for wearing flip-flops. We ran into a listener yesterday at, at HEB, and I, I can't remember your name, but it was so nice to meet you. She works at the HEB there. My wife was a little embarrassed because I was wearing my jammies, you know, and I look like hell. I'm like, well, I have a staff. This is what people expect to see when they run into me in my neighborhood. I'm relaxed. I'm in my neighborhood, right? But the point being is that people look at younger people look at me and say, oh, Sean's got such an easy job. Whoa. Like, like, like somebody just handed it to me. But I worked my ass off for the first 20, 25 years of my career to get here, right? For 20-odd years. I work seven days of work. I work any shift you want me to work. You want me to wear a tie? I wear a tie. Wore, wore a tie and slacks and all that crap for a few years to get into talk radio. You know, in other words, I achieved the life I have now by going through a lot of other situations where I wasn't getting what I wanted or I wasn't making enough money or it was a crappy station or whatever or the management hated my guts, which happened a few times. In other words, I sacrificed to get myself to a place where I wanted to be, and, and that's what I did. And I say to a lot of young people, I know this is old farty, and they probably roll their eyes or whatever, but I'm like, you know, if you're not willing to, when you're getting into the workforce, if you're not willing to sacrifice and to pull long hours and to do extra stuff to eventually get to where you want to be, you're never going to make it. And I say, you know, I, I, you know, I personally, yeah, I'm kind of a doofus, you know, and certainly that's true. But in my professional life, I've done really well. I've always moved forward. I've always moved up. I've always, always made great jumps from one place to another, you know, sacrificed and worked long hours when I had to. I got a second job at a freaking convenience store or Pizza Hut to support the radio thing. And it, it feels like with young people now is they want that stuff now. They want that stuff right off the bat. They want the job that they want, making the money that they want, putting the hours in that they want, with all the vacation time they want. They want all that at the front end. 
And the idea of sacrificing or doing things you don't want to do to get where you want to be is almost a foreign, it's like an alien idea to them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And when you're walking around, when you're bebopping through your life, don't tell me that you don't see young people, the predominance. One thing I've noticed is that young people in the workforce, whether you're at a store or a restaurant, have you noticed that the ones who are very active and got a lot of personality and are trying to help you out or whatever, you notice them because they're freaking rare? Most of the young people in the workforce right now are like vacant-eyed zombies. They, they don't even seem like they understand what you're asking them, you know? Hey, uh, where do I buy socks? Where's the sock section? I don't know. <laughs> hey, I think my order screwed up. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, they're the I don't know generation. <laughs> they just never know anything. And I get that you want your quality of life to be great, young. You don't want to spend your whole life working for no reason. I get that. But you're, you're not going to get to the life you want for yourself if you're not willing to work for it and make sacrifices along the way. And God, that is an old farty thing to say. But you know why it's an old farty thing to say? Because it works. Because it is true. And my only problem, i got to take a break here, is when I look at folks who are 19, 20, 21, 24, 25, and they have this idea going into the workforce, who are they going to be in their 50s and 40s, and how are they going to be living? Because they don't want to go out of their comfort zone at all, man. It's almost like there's this idea that just by virtue of the fact they have to work, they feel you know like they're being oppressed or something. There's my old farty segment. 210-599-5555. Wally and Chris, hang on. We'll go to you as soon as we get back. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. The Sean Rima Show. Man, we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA, 23 minutes after 9. Talking about young people and how their work ethic sucks. Because it's the old fart hour. On News Talk 550 KTSA, here's Chris. Chris, how are you? I am fine, Uncle Sean. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Happy New Year to y'all forts out there. <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. What are you thinking? Uh, the the youths and everything else. It all goes back to, I'm going to say this, the Communist Manifesto. We will slowly take over. They believe, the young people believe, and I have a daughter who I can use, uh, says, why can't I earn as much as you do? Because you haven't put in the work at time, and you're lazy. Okay? <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that, okay? But no, they. I have a, a son who believes in EDI, very much so. I go, so you would have earned the same as I do, the same as anyone else does, okay? And this is what I always bring up to all the Democrats and all the other people. So you worked your butt off to live in northern Stone Oak area, why don't we all earn the same amount of money, fifty grand a year, the, from the janitor to the CEO? But you got to give up your house now because you got a better house than someone else does on the south side. <laughs> okay, you want it all? That's what they believe in, and therefore, why should they work? The other thing is, is my my kids have also seen all the illegals coming in and go. Why should I work when they're getting all this crap free? And they know it is because they have friends who are right. illegal there at that age. And they go, I got a phone. I got a new phone. 
Right. Or the government cost me anything. Well, I mean, look, the second point isn't actually a bad point. You know, well, why can't I get a job when these illegals are getting jobs and they're getting paid very well? That's a that's a fair point for everybody. But you're right that the because, you know, I see this with the young folks that I interact with, that they, they want a standard of living at the very beginning and they don't want to be hassled about it. They don't want, they don't want to, you know, it, it, it's just a really weird work ethic that's. An inversion of what you and I grew up with. It, it really is backwards. And, and the thing is, you know what the problem is, though? They're, the employment need is so great that, unfortunately, a lot of people who own stores or they own restaurants, family-owned business, whatever, a lot of these employers, they're kind of over a barrel. They need bodies to operate their store. They need bodies to operate their restaurant. And I think they, young, a lot of young folks sort of realize that. And so I think what happens with a lot of employers is they just kind of give in and, okay, you know, whatever you want, just please show up to work. And again, well, it's great if you can get away with it, but if you're you know, as the employee, you know, whatever. I know a lot of young people that are have yet to work a full-time job in their lives. And the only criticism I offer them or dose of reality is, well, that may be great for you now. But when you're in your 40s or 50s, and you're the guy who can now be replaced by the 22-year-old puke that's demanding all kinds of stuff, or you're you know going for a job that you need, and you're 44, and there's some 22-year-old sitting next to you, and you have not a lot of job experience or spotty experience at best because you've been hopping from gig to gig because you... Want your time off, and you want to make so much money, and blah, 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 and he always demands. Who's the guy going to go for? You or the 22-year-old? At some point, you're going to be the replaceable one. And going at the whole idea of working for a living or having a career in the upside-down way that you want the bennies and you want all the nice living that you get after putting in 10 or 20 years at the very beginning when you are in the, on that you know older edge of the scale there older end of the scale of the employment scale are are you even going to be employable if if behind you you've got a track record of being you know kind of a jerk to work for, or you know work have somebody employ you or you always got problems or issues and crap follows you so you know i i it, me i don't care i'm 56 i've already kind of <laughs> done what i'm going to do you know for the most part but if you're young right now and you're having an issue working now at your age and you have an issue working long hours now and you think you ought to be making this much money and you think you ought to be given this and you think this consideration ought to be there for you, for your mental health or whatever the hell it is, by the time you're my age, you're going to be unemployable <laughs> completely. So, you know, good luck with that. 210-599-5555. We'll take a break. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. Nah, I'm Sean. Phone lines are open. 210-599-5555. Again, Trey's off this week. Wait, Trey's not on the show anyway. I'm subbing for myself. I'm sitting in for myself. The phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. I got a little distracted, dude, because I saw Christy Noam on a TV commercial. 
the governor of South Dakota. Was she wearing overalls? Mm, she was. Oh, she was dressed wearing tight jeans and a tuck-in shirt. Nah, I like it when she's all dressed up like she's ready to do some handy stuff. I like it when she's got the utility belt going yeah, and the yeah, hard that, hat. That's the look. Trump should go with her, man. His VP. Trump should go with. I, I'm. I'm gonna say it for the record. I want Christy Noam on the other side of that ticket. With I want, Trump. I want Carrie Lake. You want Carrie Lake? I want Christy. I want Christy Noam not only because I think she's a very successful governor. I think her worldview is in line with Trump's worldview. I think she's been very effective as a governor. But also, she's hot. And you know what? Liberal chicks despise attractive conservative women. Yep. Liberal chicks, they conservative women don't give a crap about liberal chicks. But liberal chicks, especially your your typical liberal female, biological female or trans or otherwise. They tend to look like they don't bathe enough. You know, they tend to be kind of plain, hairy armpits, right? Because they're fighting the patriarchy, right? So they're always kind of dumpy and gross looking. I just said it. I don't care. And so someone like Christy Noam, it's like, it's the same reason why they hated Melania Trump, Scott. They hated Melania Trump. They hated Melania Trump because she was the vice president of the United States of of America or not vice, she should have been, I'm sorry. <laughs> Take two. The first lady of the United States of America. She has entrance into the swamp. Okay, they're going to all the same galas, galas, whatever. She's the first lady. And she is a self-made immigrant. <laughs> very successful. Beyond the patriarchy, apart from her husband. She was a very successful human being before she met Donald Trump 20-odd years ago. She's elegant, she's intelligent, she speaks like 90 languages, and she's also devastatingly attractive. And liberal chicks hate attractive, conservative women. Call me up and tell me I'm, not, I'm wrong. Come on. Christy Noam, being the vice president of the United States of America, would just gall the crap. <laughs> I'll say it, I don't care what it is. That would really just trigger the crap out of, like, dumpy-ass liberal chicks. There, I said it. There's a lot. We can go Christy Noam, mm-hmm. Carrie Lake, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi. Tulsi's another one they hate, especially since she used to be a Democrat. Uh, they hate her guts, man. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of attractive, smart, uh, successful women that could run with Trump. Oh, absolutely. Look at his legal team. He's got the hottest lawyer. In- <laughs> hubba, is that, is hubba, that, hubba. I don't care what you think about the misogyny or the patriarchy or whatever the hell, okay? I suffered through Barbie over the weekend, all right? I've earned my right to speak, all right? I can't unsee that insipid crap. What a terrible movie. If you wept walking out of uh, Barbie, you're an idiot. There, I said it. Okay? Uh, you know, I, I, Trump. it's very Trumpy to have, like, very successful, attractive women around. <laughs> you know, can I, do I have to say it? He's Trump, baby. Now, he, he, I'm sure he hired who he thought was the greatest lawyer, because that's what he wants. He hires the best, right? All right? Uh, but it, pr- Trump also probably kind of digs the idea that his lawyer is extraordinarily attractive. And all the people, all the liberal idiots that hate his guts just hate her even more because she's hot. Yeah, I'm just playing off their own insecurities and vanities and stuff. So, yeah, Trump running with Christy Noam, 
Oh, man, that would be fun. That would be so much fun. Because they hate her guts, man. If Christy Noem, if all things were equal and Christy Noem were the governor of, of South Dakota and she did everything the same thing, but she was like a middle-aged, dumpy white guy, they, they wouldn't hate her nearly as much. You know what I mean? But the fact that she's attractive. <laughs> you liberal chicks, you're so vain. You just hate her for it, don't you? Trump Noem. I want to see that ticket, man. And and not because I'm being a sexist. I really think she's a great governor. I think she'd be she's she's what DeSantis should have been in a sense. In that Christy Noam hasn't talked about presidential politics, isn't running. You know, she doesn't comment on that very much. She is focused on being an ass kicking rock and roll governor of South Dakota. Which makes her a great choice for VP. At least. I mean, you know, higher office of some kind. But Trump has broke their minds. I mean, you know that. Since 2016, Trump has really just broken the Democrats. They, they, they don't understand him. They don't understand his support base. They don't understand all this pro-American stuff. And they have their little hearts broken because they were they, they just were so sure Hillary Clinton was going to be the president. And along comes Donald Trump, so they, they hate his guts, uh, you know, be, well beyond reason or sanity. And so you, you, you put on the other end of that ticket, Christy Noam, oh man, there are going to be some triggered liberal idiots in this country, man. Especially dumpy, <laughs> dumpy, hairy armpitted hippie chicks, right, who smell like potting soil, you know what I mean? Potting soil and granola. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? These are the liberal women. James, you know who I'm talking about. That Again, are the ones you see bebopping down Congress Ave in, in Austin or Boulder, Main Street in Boulder. And they're men. This is why they want to turn all dudes into women. Okay? Because they like effeminate, women, effeminate men. You see some, uh, some, some hard-ass hippie chick with hairy armpits. She's got a guy with a man bun who, you know, cries over herbal tea and... You know, you know what I mean? It's very feminine. And is, you know, that's what they want. They want men they can control, dude. Yeah. And they don't like hot conservative women. It, it's an extension of why they hate self-made, successful, conservative black people, right? They're the biggest traitors in the world. But liberal chicks and liberals in general, they really hate hot conservative chicks. Oh, my God, they hate them. Mm-hmm. It triggers their ass. It really does, left and right. And they love those long Native American-looking purses that are all <laughs> fabricy and hang down past their hips. I'm just saying, when you're a liberal chick fighting the patriarchy, you don't want to be hot. You know, you guys got to take you with your hairy legs and everything else, or they're part of the patriarchy. These are women who actively work to be unattractive. So when someone like Christy Noem shows up, and she's just magically attractive, she just... She's a, she's a, a, a tr- an attractive woman. She's not as pretty as my wife, but she's a very attractive woman. <laughs> I look at and Christy. liberal chicks hate her guts. What's that? I look at Christy Noem and I think I bet her husband doesn't wear the same size jeans as she does. <laughs> but the liberal couples, they could just wear the same clothes because they got the oh, little yeah. skinny husband with his little skinny jeans, right? Rolled up nicely and teed over his little boots. <laughs> 
you know how they look. I know how they look. Round, I lived in Austin for a couple of years. Round circular glasses. John Lennon type glasses. Yes. So you know how sensitive they are and stuff like that. But you know they don't have money to give to homeless people. I never see those liberal people handing out cash to people who are asking for it in Austin. Never. Uh, you really don't. Mm-mm. They don't like to be put upon by the homeless. They like to talk about the homeless. They want to have their fancy schmancy, uh, you know, uh, look, I'm cooking brisket for the homeless, you know. They'll do the odd charity food truck event, you know. To claim they're doing something for the homeless, but they don't want to interact with the homeless. They certainly don't want the homeless, like, they don't want to be able to smell them. You know what I mean? Christy Noem and Trump Noem. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. I hope it goes that way. 210 <laughs> 510-599-5555. 210-599-5555. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 107. One final few moments of the hour. So whatever's on your brain, whatever you want to talk about, give us a call. 210-599-5555. We've hit a lot of topics thus far on the show. We've got another full hour coming your way. We've talked about the pro-Hamas protesters blocking the access road to LAX. Uh, we talked about the pol- political persuasion of uh, American journalists. It's about, let's see, only 3% of all journalists in this country claim to be Republicans. Uh, we talked about the big story that we're all, we're waiting, if we get any, in fact, in the, in the next nine minutes, if we get any, or the next hour, nine minutes, <laughs> If we get any live updates from ABC on whether or not Taylor Swift is actually going to appear on Travis Kelsey's podcast, that's breaking. That's an international story. If we find out anything, we'll let you know. Okay. just And I talked about how dumpy liberal chicks can't stand hot, attractive, conservative chicks. And that's true. I was talking about Christy Noem. And I, I was thinking about that. I was talking about this just a few minutes ago. And, uh, like, I, I don't know why we weren't drinking. Maybe it's because we weren't drinking that my wife and I sat through Barbie over the weekend, the entire movie. We both hated it. And yet we sat through it till the bitter end, man. I don't know what we were thinking, if it was just magically going to get better halfway through or something. But it was a really horrible movie. But the basic idea of the movie, and this is, again, a liberal chick thing, they hate Barbie. Barbie oppressed people. Barbie, because she's she's a freaking doll, but she's a hottie, right? And Barbie was bad because w- girls couldn't grow up to be as hot as Barbie, right? So they hate Barbie. That James, that's why they keep uglying up. They want to ugly up Barbie, right? We got welfare Barbie now. We got eczema Barbie. Do you know what I mean? We got pregnant Barbie lesbian barbie i got nothing against lesbians i'm just saying they 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 hate the fact that a freaking doll is attractive and somehow barbie being hot is part of the part patriarchy and i know all kinds of chicks who played with barbies growing up and they they turned you know their their lives weren't oppressed or you know heavily laden because they they played with barbies when they were a kid and they didn't become Barbie just because they played with Barbies. Holy crap. I played with G.I. Joes. I didn't join Special Forces. You know what I mean? 
they hate Barbies like they hate attractive conservative women because Barbie's hot. It's a vanity thing. Here's Craig. Craig, what are you thinking? Hey, I'll, let me touch on the Barbie thing in one sec. I wanted to say uh, I want to see Trump carry Lake. That's who I want to see. That's you and uh, James Trevino are of the same mind. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, because she 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 knows how to handle the. Pro- I mean, so does Christy know. They're both equally right. as hot. Uh, not hotter than my wife, though. Not hotter than my wife. Yeah, I said the same um, thing, right? I heard. I heard you, man. Good job. <laughs> I'm no also, fool. I went and saw the. I went and saw. Yeah, no, hell no. <laughs> I went and saw the Barbie movie in uh, in the theater. My wife talked me into going, and uh, halfway through it, I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. So I went. To, I was at Flick, so I went and grabbed a couple craft brews in the lobby. <laughs> but yeah, it was such a man hating movie. It was ridiculous. Well, it just wasn't a very good movie either. It really no. wasn't a good movie. It didn't really have any sense of, I know I'm going to sound artsy-fartsy, there was no sense of pacing. It was an exhausting movie to watch because it it just maintained this hyperkinetic weirdness throughout the entire length of it. And yeah, the political points were kind of insipid and stupid. It was it was really dumb, and I, I just did not get the hype at all. No. I'd, and I, you know what, I don't know how you did, because, you, you know, we both watched this movie. I, well, point, you know, if I'm, it, it, let me clear this up. I was willing, just as much as my wife was, to watch the movie. My wife didn't talk me into watching it. I had just been watching Hallmark movies for nine hours, and I just wanted to look at anything that was different. And so she suggested Barbie. I'm like, sure. See what the, maybe maybe I'll and I tried to be objective. I'm like, well, maybe it's a good movie. I'm a pretty artsy fartsy guy. Maybe I'll really like it. I kind of knew what the politics were going into it. Uh, but dude, I did not. It wasn't yeah. stripped the politics out. It was still a crappy movie. It was terrible. I don't know how it grows so much money. I don't understand people walking out of that weeping. Apparently, oh women God. were walking out of the theater weeping after seeing Barbie. It's up for a whole bunch I, of awards, Oscars, and gold, Golden Globes. No way. And I it was a terrible movie. Weeping. What's that? <laughs> I can understand why guys would be weeping oh, walking God. out of there. <laughs> I haven't seen a movie in recent memory that I wanted to end as badly as that movie. Literally, I'm Same like, here. oh, crap, it's only been on 45 minutes. It's got yeah, when least... they brought me my ticket out in the lobby, I was like, okay, 45 more minutes, I'm good. Mm. No, that was a long, that movie went on way too long uh, for hey, being such a crappy movie. Brother. All right, man. All right, have a good day, man. And now that you're a professional actor, <laughs> you are able to discern what is quality cinema in... Uh, I call them films, James. I don't call them movies or flicks, as some people may say. I look at film as a serious art form. The cinematography. Cinematography was horrible. The color palettes. The color palette was way off. You know, it was really unbalanced. And you noticed these things. I, I felt the acting was pointlessly kinetic, and and uh, the the script writing, the screenplay was clunky at best. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little little into myself here doing the movie right now. You know? <laughs> mostly well, you when know, I, I mostly have a surefire I... <laughs> way that <laughs> you can that? avoid this happening to you ever again. What's that? The next time you find yourself in a position where you're desperate for something to watch, you get off off your ass and go for a ride. Go drive some, take the wife on a you drive know, somewhere. Grab a handful of the 500 CDs I've bought for you over the last <laughs> decade. Yes. Get in your car with Syria 
and go somewhere. You're suggesting that we could have come up with something to do beyond just sitting right. there in our recliners watching Barbie. Yes. That's a fair point. And I wish I had, now looking back on it. <laughs> I wish we'd done anything other you than sit and watch that movie. You live in one of the most amazing movie. places in the country. I do. And you're missing it. Come and I on, and man. I we we were were so lackadaisical. We didn't want to get up. We just sat there and watched a really awful movie. And baby, that was a full two hours, man. That wasn't mm-hmm. no ninety minute right. quick ride, man. Yeah. And we could have driven down the street and and sat in the drive through at Jalisco's and had a bigger a better cultural experience. There you go. Mm. All kinds of places to go. Liberal chicks hate Barbie because she's hot. And liberal chicks hate hot women who don't think exactly the way they do. Liberal chicks hate hot conservative chicks. And arguably, Barbie was a hot chick who was probably conservative. If Barbie were alive today, she'd probably vote for Trump. And they hate her stinking guts. Because not only is she a Trump supporter, because she's... A toy in the free market system, which just oppresses people left and right. MAGA Barbie. She's MAGA. She's also a, she's also attractive. And liberal chicks, dumpy liberal chicks, hate attractive conservative women. It's true. We'll be right back.